Welcome to Brazos Matters. I'm Jay Sokol. I get to visit today with Dr. Tim Lomax, research fellow with College Station-based Texas A&M Transportation Institute. Tim, thanks for being here. This is a get-to for you. It is. awesome. Yeah, it is a privilege. Usually it's a have-to. It's an opportunity. No, it is not (laughs) a have-to. So you have been the face and the voice for years and years here in Aggieland and, and well beyond Aggieland for the state of urban mobility research and trends in traffic congestion and how to make those things better. Most importantly, maybe, you've tried to make getting into and out of the Texas A&M campus on home football game days a little better. So I want to start with hearing uh, how you came to do what you do. And the bonus question is, what in the heck is a research fellow? (laughs) So go. (laughs) How did I get to do what I do? Uh, My mother told me to play on the freeway. Uh, when I was a small boy, and that's pretty much what I've been doing. Yeah, you do. Uh, I uh, got to a and I knew I wanted to study traffic engineering and uh, transportation engineering. Thought I wanted to work in a big city, got an opportunity to work at Texas A&M, and took it, and uh, basically never had a real job since. Uh, I started with the game day stuff back in the 90s when we, uh, TxDOT and the city were rebuilding Texas Avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, traffic became a, a problem back then, and uh, so we sort of noodled around with some of the concepts we're, we're using now. But uh, when the the stadium was uh, on schedule to be rebuilt, we hosted A&M Alabama in 2013. Yeah. And, uh, you know, top five game, huge. Uh, Alabama and Aggie fans came whether they had a ticket or not. And the traffic plan was not set up for 120,000 people that were on campus that day. So, uh, I got voluntold I was going to be in charge of uh, improving the situation for the next year, and um, probably only about six or seven hundred people helped me uh, complete that mission. Uh, there's a, a ton of great folks at Transportation Services uh, for A&M, and then the city and uh, all the game day operations staff, uh, you know, SSC, the grounds service folks, police, fire, EMS. I mean, there's just a ton of people involved in making traffic better. So when you're handed a challenge like that, how do you even go about tackling it? Because it it, it obviously requires a lot of people representing a lot of jurisdictions, and it has to involve some money as well. So what do you do? Well, the the chancellor was uh, pretty good at at, uh, convincing people to to give us some funding so so we could uh, do some of the stuff that we wanted to do. But really it was about, I, I think... I, I joke about being voluntold, but I think I had enough uh, contacts in the community that uh, between the, the two cities, because Brian helped also, right. uh, Chamber of Commerce, merchants. I mean, you you start to put together a pretty good advisory group of what do we want to accomplish. And uh, and then the operations folks on campus, uh, I, I basically walked around and um, visited with everybody I could to find out what they had done in the past and if they saw any uh, improvement uh, ideas. And, you know, I had a couple of my own, but most of them I just stole from somebody else. <laughs> Took credit for that. That's how you become a research fellow. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> well, so I got here to this community in 1987. I came here as a student. I think there are about 36,000 students. Mm-hmm. We're almost double that now, I think. Yeah. And of course, the community uh, as a whole has grown so much. But we have evolved into really a, a pretty good-sized city 
with what I think you describe as this giant downtown activity center of campus. So how do we do more than, than the here and now? How are we able to plan for years ahead of now when things get, uh, I don't know about worse, but they get different, right? I, I, yeah, and I think uh, given the, the path that we're on, I think you're going to continue to see growth. I, I don't think that we're going to stop growing. Uh, when I was in school, we were going to stop growing at 30,000 students, and you know we kind of blew through that. Right. Um, and, you know, obviously uh, growth is a good thing, but it brings a few challenges and traffic's one of them. I think having the resources that we have in, in terms of support for programs, support from TxDOT, uh, support from the cities, uh, I think, uh, you know, TxDOT, to their credit, understands that we are the fourth largest downtown, not just uh, on football game days, but every other day uh, with, uh, you know, you get 65, 70,000 students. 12, 13,000 faculty, staff. Uh, we're we're the easily the fourth largest downtown in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, in the state. Sorry, uh, that w- when you put that on top of that small city, smaller city environment that you you talk about. You know, we're not Dallas, Houston, Austin. Um, we th- there's kind of a mismatch there in terms of supply, not and and not just sort of roadway supply, but dollar supply. But I think we've got uh, a lot of support to, to try to overcome that. We've got a ton of resources, too. The cities of both Bryan and College Station have been pretty active at supporting development near campus. That creates the, the high rises you see on the north side uh, that allows people to walk and bike to campus rather than getting in their cars. Yeah, That's huge. We have a great transit system that A&M... Uh, runs. We're the seventh largest transit system in the state by by riders. Hmm. Uh, if you include them in Brazos Transit District, uh, we are the 15th largest metro area. So we're dramatically perf- outperforming that uh, metric as well. So I think we've got some good resources in place. It's a matter of making sure that we maximize the utility of all of those. So related to that, talk about some of the things that we, we really do pretty well right now. And, and where some gaps are, where, where the improvements need to be made, whether it's around campus or, or kind of moving outward into the community. Yeah, I think you know, in the last several years, you've seen more traffic congestion on State Highway 6 than we ever had. You see bumper-to-bumper traffic out there. So TxDOT has a multi-hundred million dollar project to add a lane to that to help people get to and from the campus area. Uh, particularly given the growth that's happening on the east side of both Bryan and College Station, we really need that capacity. TxDOT and the and the city are finishing a project on the west side on sta- uh, FM 2818 mm-hmm. that's going to make travel on that side of town better. Uh, we recently got funding for the Bush-Welburn project that will create uh, uh, an, uh, an underpass where George Bush will be able to go underneath the railroad track. And as part of that, we've got uh, very wide sidewalks and uh, throughout that uh, intersection, so we'll be able to handle more of the pedestrian traffic as well. So is that one fully funded finally? It looks like that's the case. Obviously, with uh, construction inflation costs, uh, you know, I'm, right. I'm not going to bet my house on it, but right. I think uh, we we have a lot. We have a lot of the funding. We have a lot of support for uh, the project. I think it, maybe if we need some more money, we might 
we should be in good shape to, to find that. So stopping on that particular project for a yep. second, it seems like, and I could be wrong, that there were a couple options, that there could be an 18-month construction period where we just plow ahead and deal with the consequences, or it could it could stretch over maybe two years. Is that still a couple of the right scenarios or I, no? I, I think the idea that we're shopping around based on comments that we got, uh, the Texas A&M Transportation Institute was hired by TxDOT to go out into the community back about uh, four or five years ago right. and uh, talk to people about what they wanted, what their concerns were, what their ideas were. We got 4,100 survey responses. Hmm. That's huge. And almost all of them focused on how long the intersection is going to be closed. So it wasn't so much how long are we going to see orange barrels as it was, how long are we going to have to drive around this giant hole in the ground? Yeah. And so there's a there's a process that that could be done. If you go out there and look, there's a lot of empty space on the east side. We could essentially build most of the east side of the intersection or a lot of the east side of the intersection without doing anything to the existing traffic. And then we could move Welburn Road over to that, to sort of uh, be adjacent to that east side and build a bunch of the west side between the railroad track and where the uh, where the existing uh, the uh, the interchange would be. Uh, we can dig down from the top with some retaining walls, so we get uh, all the earth sort of uh, held back to the point where you get a bunch of that intersection done before you even close down the road, and then once you close it down, let's say the the Monday after the last home football game, and you start digging away, you will have also moved as many utilities out of the way as you can. So really all you're doing is digging away 330,000 cubic yards of dirt, which is a bunch of dirt, but uh, it simplifies the process and yeah. might, and I think gives us a chance to have that completed during that uh, period between last home football game and first day of class uh, the next time. Has there been a a year that's identified as when this could get started? TxDOT is looking at 2024, uh, I'm sorry, 2025 or 2026 as the start of the construction. Okay. That might be the start of that, let's build everything we can without closing the intersection down. So the actual closing of the intersection might be in 26 or 27, for right. example. That. That would that, that's be... still these are still concepts that we're working on, but there's some some smarter engineers than I am working on the actual details. But that seems to be a concept that that would have to be one of the most disruptive projects with the greater good on the other side of it. But holy cow, we we were uh, very heartened when we went into the community. And particularly the south side neighborhood that's just adjacent to the intersection. Right. They're going to be affected. The, the sentiment we got from that group was, you know, this is a 75-year project. Mm -hmm. This is a game changer, if you will. I don't like that phrase. But um, we understand the importance of this project. We just want it to happen in a way that doesn't, you know, un, unduly harm us. We're willing to kind of take our share and a little bit more. But um, so... There's a, a process that we're going to, I think, work through with that community to see what we can do about cutting, uh, reducing the cut through traffic. Yeah. People that would come north on Welburn Road and 
uh, you know, take a ride on Luther and, and wander around through the streets to get to campus. Uh, you know, if you think about it, we already have, we're going to have 2018 rebuilt, so we can shove a bunch of traffic that way. Right. Um, there's some other street changes we can do, but we could also do things like change up where some of the parking is. Right now, most of the commuter student parking is around Reed Arena on West Campus. We could maybe swap, and, and again, these are just concepts that, we're, that we need to, to talk with folks about to make sure that everybody's comfortable with this, but we could swap some of that commuter parking with some of the dorm parking on the East Campus so that people coming from the uh, apartments on the east side of Texas Avenue could drive in and park near the golf course, for example, somewhere. Right. Uh, to do almost anything to cut down on that uh, trip across the railroad tracks that's going to be the real heavily affected uh, piece of road. So if you just tuned in, you're listening to Brazos Matters. Our guest is Texas A&M Transportation Institute Research Fellow, Dr. Tim Lomax. So the latest top 10 congested roads in Texas list was recently released, and with what I imagine were pretty predictable results. So we already have these pain points, relatively speaking, here in Brazos County, and we've touched on this a little bit. But as you look into the future, what can be done uh, now to kind of keep us off of that that awful list uh, <laughs> as we continue to grow? Yeah, I I think the the things that we're doing are good. We have a, a vibrant transit system, and we have uh, a lot of bicycle pedestrian folks. I think something like forty percent of trips to campus by students are by some mode other than driving alone in their car. Which is great. Which is awesome. Typical number in you know Houston or Dallas, that number is like ten percent, mm. maybe five percent in into the some of the the big activity centers. So uh, I think there's some other ways that we can uh, think about doing that. We can we can add some transit, maybe get some more transit into the community for faculty and staff to ride. Typically, all the transit is uh, is student consumed now. Uh, I think we could generate some more uh, ridership into to some of the uh, uh, some of the neighborhoods. I think again, the city of College Station is creating these uh, big blocks of student apartments that make for a really good transit network. For example, down Jones Butler. Uh, Penberthy, Jones Butler, and on to Holloman, uh, that that whole link will be a really nice uh, run for a some sort of a uh, high capacity transit system. Mm-hmm. That because there aren't traffic signals along most of that route, and because there's so much uh, ridership potential, I think we could continue to to see a growth in the transit ridership. What are you talking about? Growth in the existing A and M transit system? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think having um, you know, w- one of the things that everybody could do, you know, if there's one thing that could come out of this discussion, it mm-hmm. would be when you leave your ha- before you leave your house, check your traffic. Uh, if you ask your friends in Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, uh, Fort Worth, they check their traffic before they go somewhere. Sure. But, uh, around here, there just really isn't uh, that kind of culture. And so you see people sort of driving into a traffic jam that's been there for a while and they wonder why they're stuck. Maybe that they don't have a good way around it, but at least if they were driving into it, they would they would be less frustrated. I think there's some benefits that we can get from some of the signal timing technology that's out there that 
is more responsive, more rapidly responsive. If you think about our demand pattern, especially around campus, we've got like 10 or 12 peak hours, rush hours. Every time class changes, traffic ramps up really quickly. It stays high for a little while and then goes back down. Yeah. A typical signal system takes 10 or 15 minutes to kind of fully adapt to that. Well, by the time the signals have changed, the traffic's gone away. Uh, so I think we, we've got some benefits uh, from that. You know, you say that uh, kind of makes me laugh because then you complicate things with a train going right through the community. And and that affects uh, the signal timing, right, on yep, just absolutely. about uh Every corridor we have, yep. so um, we're in a very unique position in in this community, and and so that brings me to: are are there basic elements that are needed, whether in this community or any other, for efficient traffic management? Because I know there's special things required for us because of who we are and what we have here. But what are the basic elements needed to keep things moving well? I I think they start with if I sort of organize these. They sort of start at home, check your traffic before you leave. Think about some other mode. If you live close to wherever you're going, think about walking or biking. Not when it's snowing or sleeting. I'm not, you know, not that, but, you know, in a, in a uh, more often, uh, like every day, think about how you're getting to where you're going and have that be a conscious choice rather than just, I have a car, I'm going to drive into discussion. Well, what do you check when you, when you say check the traffic, what do you use that's reliable? Google Maps and Waze, both. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, and also, if I'm going to an event like A&M football game, check the websites that have the information about parking and traffic. What are they, what are they or we uh, doing to help people get to where they're going and then where they're leaving? Uh, you know, we... Every football game day, I stand near the, the the street, and and you can see at intersections, people are leaning out their window. Hey, where can I park? You you came to an event with 120,000 people, and you're just now thinking about where you're going to park. Right. Feel like you got to own some of that uh, problem. Uh, that's not uh, it, because there is a, t- a ton of information. Typically, if you go to someplace. So starting at, at home, think about where you're going, what you're doing, how you're going to get there. Uh, and then in, inside the neighborhoods, there's, uh, in, in many neighborhoods in College Station, there's a nice path trail that you can walk or bike on. Once you get to the city streets, now you're into the city traffic signal system. Again, I think there's some efficiencies we can we can get out of that system. We have a very good system, and we have a uh, in both Bryan and College Station. We do a very good job of uh, retiming the signals, so it's it's about uh, maintenance. When you get onto the highways, the uh, the additional lane that we're going to get on uh, on State Highway Six and the improvements we're getting on 2018 are going to be helpful. William Joel Bryan is being rebuilt in in Bryan, and they're going to redo Texas Avenue to make that. Uh, uh, more of a uh, median. It'll have, the street will have medians, so you'll have turn lanes, designated places for people to turn, uh, which not only helps the traffic flow, it's, it's also much safer. You, you, you yeah. have some predictability with where, where the traffic is coming from. Uh, that's, that's another element that big cities have that we don't really have, the, the crash response. Uh, many big cities have a dedicated force of a uh, combination of tow trucks and uh, and uh, safety officers who uh, show up on a crash scene as 
kind of as fast yeah. as they can and and they help uh, get the crash out of the way we, we have a steer it clear it law in texas if you in a minor crash pull into a parking lot somewhere and trade information don't do it on the side of the road that's not a, a very safe place to do it uh, so uh, th- there's also some other policies we could think about uh, on campus particularly parking pricing uh, parking consumption I, I said think about what route you're going to choose maybe we some some places some big activity centers have a uh, essentially pay by use uh, policy right now i i pay for parking i i sign up for parking once a year and i have parking the rest of the year my behavior might be different if i had to pay for the parking that i consume every single day it's more front of mind and so again i get into this notion of uh, maybe there's some some more transit ridership we could generate from uh, faculty yeah. and staff. What do you think about the the U-turn culture that we now have here? That feels like it has uh, really increased in the last several years. I kind of joke about one of our roadways being called U-turn University Drive. <laughs> I I know that had to be sort of deliberate uh, to to create that dynamic, but how do you feel about that? I like the predictability of what's happening at the intersections as opposed to the, lack of a better word, the chaos that happened between the intersections before. When you just have the two-way left turn lanes, the paint stripes, uh, people can make a left turn pretty much anywhere they want to. That generates a lot of unsafe behavior, a lot of, oh, I need to go there. I'm going to make a turn and uh, lack of attention, lack of uh, preparedness for that turn. The U-turns at the intersection are um, statistically safer. Uh, people have uh, made a conscious decision to get there. They're, they're going to turn around. The, there's a fewer number of conflict points that you have between the, the intersections. Um, so I'm I'm in favor of it. I I get the the U-turn, the the frustration with the U-turns. I think it uh, again the the safety statistics bear out that a uh, road with a median is a safer uh, facility than mm. one without one. Yeah, I have to tell you, I, I guess uh, as uh, someone north of fifty, it is still hard for me to be watching for and expecting somebody. To, to do a U-turn mm-hmm. when I'm trying to make a right turn. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I struggle to, uh, to be mindful of that. Yeah. But so far, no fender benders, so I guess it's working out okay. Um, are there cities, whether in Texas or, or, or in other places, that you look at and think, they've got this right. I love what they do. I wish we could do some of that here. There, there are elements uh, uh, in uh, most of the cities in, in Texas and a lot of cities around the country. I don't I can't point to a city in the country that is doing everything right, right. but uh, for example, the the program in uh, Houston, I believe it's called Tow and Go now. They have tow trucks that are basically assigned to sections of the freeway. Somebody breaks down, the tow truck comes and assesses the situation quickly. And if it's you know if you're out of gas, they'll give you gas. But if you got to change a tire, if it's a fan belt, you know something like that, they'll hook up the tow truck and pull you off the road. The program used to be called Safe Clear. The idea was get the road clear and then start dealing with the problem. You know there there aren't many people setting up a minor automotive repair shop on the shoulder of a freeway. Yeah. That's not a safe place to be. So let's 
remove that. Obviously, there's some funding that goes along with that, and there's a dedication of, of resources, but a um, combination of uh, technologies and just kind of policy support could have that in a, in a place like Bryan College Station as well. Um, I think having the, uh, again, I, I talk about the traffic signal system because we are such a street-dependent uh, area, uh, continuing the support for the, the signal uh, maintenance so you get those retimed frequently and upgrading the equipment as, as new, more advanced equipment comes in. Uh, there's also a lot of uh, information from, that vehicles are reporting back to the system. Mm -hmm. That's how Waze and Google get their information is their, the vehicles that have uh, navigation devices are reporting back to them. So they're, they're hearing about what's going on on the, on the roadway system. You can use that information to uh, more, uh, more efficiently, more rapidly adjust to what's happening with the traffic. We use that on, on game days to figure out uh, kind of where the traffic's coming from, what's happening, where are the bottlenecks, right, right, kind of stuff. So, with our last couple of minutes here, I thought we'd we'd uh, do some fantasy time here. the The state gives you all the money you need. Uh, so, what traffic related infrastructure and systems do you build or do you change around here at Aggieland? I I work I work from the downtown out. So, I that downtown's. Downtown Aggieland is uh, the campus. I work on uh, policies that will get people to do this more immediate, everyday thinking about how they're they're traveling. I look at uh, what we're doing on campus with uh, classrooms and locations and timing, and maybe see if I can't break up some of the staff departure uh, uh, class time, like like around five. You know, if we could spread out some of that, some of that demand, so that we don't have students and faculty and staff all trying to leave campus at the same time, uh, I th I then look to uh, bicycle pedestrian because we have a ton of that already, and we seem to have a lot more development around campus. So continuing to support the development policies and also making sure that we have the right infrastructure. And then I start looking for, are there widening opportunities? Are there ways that we can get more connections into areas so we're not focusing quite so much traffic uh, on a particular area? For example, if you look at the, the area south of 2818 along Holloman, you can come out of that area on Holloman or, you know, right now, Cane Road, Rock Prairie. They're going to put a, a connection through uh, Deacon. But if we, if we could get another connection from there sort of through the airport or maybe connecting to Luther Drive or George Bush, um, you know, somehow to get another route out of there so they're not concentrating the demand quite so much. I thought you were going to say double-decker University Drive. I mean, something like really far out, spacey I, and that sort of I, thing. I would, I would love to have some pedestrian underpasses along University Drive like we do on Wellman Road. No yeah, doubt. Add me to that. You uh, have been wonderful to to come in here and, and I talk. appreciate your low standards of wonderful. Well, yes, I, I have them here just for you. No, thank you so much, um, Dr. Tim Lomax. Appreciate the talk, and thank you for all you've done for improving mobility in Aggieland and beyond. It's been a joy. It really has. Brazos Matters is a production of Aggieland's Public Radio, 90.9 KAMU-FM. 
We are a member of Texas A&M University's Division of Marketing and Communications. Our show is engineered by Matt Dittman. You can learn more about us at kamu.tamu.edu slash radio.